In the lowest valley, yes, I will bless your name. When my heart is heavy all my days, oh yes I will, for all my days, oh yes I will. Good morning, and what a great time of worship that was. If you're joined us on uh, on Facebook this morning, we appreciate that, and uh, we're safe here in our home. You're safe uh, there in your home, but if you're watching this, that means uh, it snowed. That means we've had some weather that kept us from being able to get together at the church this morning, but it doesn't stop church uh, from happening. And so we wanted to bring you uh, this time this morning so that we would... Uh, be able to share with you uh, the second part of our message uh, series called uh, Major Mission, uh, this Christmas series that we're doing this morning. And so before we jump into that, uh, let's have a word of prayer together, and then we uh, look forward to hearing what God has for us uh, this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, and and God, we just come uh, during this this time of the season and and ask that you'd be uh, present with us, even though we are not all together in one place. Uh, we're together in heart and in spirit, and so, Lord, we just uh, ask you to be present and uh, and come into each person's home that's watching this morning and bless that home and give them uh, the peace that comes with the Christmas season and the, and the promise of Jesus and what he came to do for us. God, we pray this morning for those that are sick in their bodies and, and need a touch and a healing uh, from you, Lord, that you would touch them, whether they're in the hospital or they're in their home this morning. God, we pray for those that are um, uh, have something going on in their life that needs a touch from you, whether it's a financial situation or a relationship uh, issue. Maybe they're struggling in some way with uh, an addiction this morning, or uh, or maybe God, as they enter into this holiday season, there there's some sadness or some fear, uh, even in that in that home. God, we just ask that you would intervene in all of these situations, uh, Lord. We ask that you'd be present uh, during this time uh, as we open your word and talk about in this setting this morning, uh, Jesus and what he came for. And and so, Lord, we look forward to this time uh, together and just ask that you'd bless it and be present in it. In Jesus name. Amen. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, the discussion this morning and the second part of this, this series because it's it's about the purpose of why Jesus came, why a manger, why uh, the story takes place the way it does, the way we read it in Luke chapter 2. A lot of people struggle with purpose in their life. We, we've all been through maybe seasons of life where we didn't really understand what, what is my purpose? What am I here to do? So as we think about it in that context, uh, there might be uh, you know questions about you know why a, a, a manger? Why Bethlehem? Why it had to be uh, the way the way it was, and that's kind of a discussion today, and what we're going to talk about. Sure, sure. Thanks, Pastor Scott, and uh, thank all of you for uh, tuning in and being a part of this uh, very special time as we uh, journey through Christmas together. And and for those of you that um, were at the church or uh, listened uh, via uh, stream or, or whatever other venue, 
Uh, you know that we kicked off the 2018 study uh, called Manger Mission, as, as Scott has mentioned, uh, by looking at the promise that was made by God to send us a Savior. The greatest rescue mission ever uh, to take place uh, happened when Jesus came uh, from heaven to earth to save us from our sins and, and how God promised that uh, hundreds and thousands of years before Jesus' birth actually uh, took place there. Uh, so so we, we started that way. If you missed it, you can catch up on that. And this morning, uh, we want to turn our attention to, uh, as was mentioned, the purpose uh, uh, and, and specifically why the mangers, such an interesting uh, tool that was used uh, to help unfold the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and all that. And the, the short answer to that question, why, why a manger, uh, is it's all part of the divine puzzle that, that seems to uh, be put into place by, by our Creator, by God Himself. And, and each piece fits uh, just right. And, and this is a huge piece. That's why we uh, centered our thoughts around a manger and, and, and looking at what that, that truly means. Um, so so when, you, when you talk about manger, here's what a breakdown of, of, of what actually took place could be. Royalty laid in a feeding trough. Because that's exactly what a manger is, uh, Scott. It, it's a it, it's it's a place where where animals uh, fed from. They 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 ate their meals from. They they actually uh, would would slobber a little bit on it. So it's not a, a clean, neat bed as parents would you know would have for their children uh, in this day and time. And we try to make the best possible for our, our kids when they're when they're here when when they're on the way. I mean, um, new new expectant parents put together this, this beautiful nursery uh, and, and all the, the right furnishings. And, and the centerpiece of that is, is a crib. Crib, yeah. You know, a, a beautiful, uh, safe, inviting, warm crib. But yet that's not what Jesus was, was born into. And, and, and interestingly enough, as, as you mentioned, that we're, we're dealing with Luke's writing out of the New Testament, he's the only writer in the Bible to use the word manger, uh, actually in the New Testament. Uh, let me clarify that. The only New Testament writer to use that term manger. And what he does with this one word, what God does with this one feeding trough is enough to make us shout for joy, or it should be. If we know Christ, if, if we walk in relationship with Him, then this should excite us. And if you don't, it should excite you because that's the very reason why all of this took place is so that you can know Jesus in your own personal life. So we want to simply point out uh, six aspects about the manger that we find in Scripture. Yep. And Scott, you... Let me read that uh, verse to you. If you've got your Bibles there with you, you might want to open those up to Luke chapter 2. This will be verse 7. It says, And she brought forth her firstborn son, that would be Jesus, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. There's yep. that word that you talked about. And of course, we know if uh, from the story that the reason that he was laid in a manger because there was no room uh, for them in the inn. And so Luke just points that right out. It was a manger and putting a thought into that and really realizing, like you said, what a manger was used for, what that trough was used for. And now here's the son of God laying in it. It's amazing. Yeah. And um, you know, the, the first lesson we, we kind of draw from that, uh, that we see in that is, is the true humility of Christ himself. I mean, he subjected himself to this type of birth, this entry into our world uh, as, a, as a human being. He said, you know, I'm going to go in the manner in which is best. 
And, and what I what I love about that is the humility that is shown is there to reach out and, and to touch and to change every life that would walk the planet. He didn't come just for the, the rich and the wealthy and those who have affluence or power or, you know, those types of resources. He didn't come just for the middle class to be born into that setting. Uh, he, he didn't come just for the poor. He came for everyone, and yet he was ushered in in this manner out in a stable and lying in a manger, that, that feeding trough. So so that speaks of his humility. And, and we have a um, we have a powerful passage of Scripture out of Philippians Chapter 2, beginning at verse 5, that tells us, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. Verse 8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Isn't that powerful? It's powerful. He humbled himself. He he made himself of, of no avail. And the thing... The thing that we need to look at and point out in that, too, is this makes our God relatable to us. A lot of religions, a lot of uh, deities uh, are some high, uh, unachievable, untouchable uh, God that that people serve in other religions. But our God Mm -hmm. that we serve, being born in a manger, laid in a manger, in this uh, humility, like you said, makes him relatable to everybody. Absolutely. Uh, And and, uh, allows us to be able to say, hey, you know, I can I can join in on this. I can see myself uh, serving this God that started in, in this fashion. That's right. Someone once wrote this description of what Jesus actually did. He stepped off the exalted throne and into a lowly manger. He stepped out of his royal robe and into swaddling clothes. He left the worship of heavenly hosts to be exposed to the ridicule of sinners, and he left the sweet fragrance of incense to the stench of a stable. Man, what a description that is. What humility that that takes for God to become man and subject himself to not only this, but other things that are to come, we're going to talk about in a moment, laid in a manger of all places. Next thing we, we want to take a quick look at is that the manger was perfectly planned. I mean, at, at first you might think it was a fluke, a random misfortune, because Luke says Mary laid him in a manger because there was, as you read a moment ago, no place for them in the end, no room. And that's a whole message in and of itself. Do we make room for Christ in our lives? And right. we preached that before, but there was no room in the end. So he was out in this, this stable in a manger. But the way that Luke tells the story that that just won't work. So here, here's what I want to share with you about this. God had centuries to get ready for this birth of his son into our world. As a matter of fact, the great prophet Micah in the Old Testament lived 700 years before the birth of Christ and prophesied that the Messiah would be born where? In Bethlehem. Bethlehem. You, O Bethlehem, he wrote in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. So here's what that tells us. God had a good seven centuries. Actually, he had a lot longer than that. But as we know of written history and, and, and prophecy, he had a good seven centuries to plan the details of the incarnation and arrange the arrival of his son into the right place at the right time and in the right way. Now, I want to take it a step further. For example, it could have easily arranged 
that the faithful virgin and, and a just man in the lineage of David be found in Bethlehem in accord with the prophecy. But get this, instead, he chooses Mary and Joseph who lived in Nazareth, not Bethlehem, and he plans for Mary to get pregnant far from the prophesied town that Jesus would be born in. So here's what that took. To solve that problem, God could have arranged to get Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem by some personal means, by, say, a relative who needed them urgently or, or a dream or some private legal or business matter, but he didn't do it. Mm. He didn't do it that way. Instead, get this, folks. Instead, God moved Joseph and Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem by means of an empire-wide census. In other words, God arranged that the most powerful leader in the world would order everyone in the empire to go to their town of origin to register. Mm. Man, he, he moves a whole nation. I, I love that. He, he can separate waters to let people walk through on dry ground. He can move a whole nation to get this young couple to the right place at the right time for Jesus to be born. And that's exactly what happened in this story. I love the timing of that because you we all know that Babies come when they want to. I mean, oh, yeah. we, we all know it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a nine-month process, but yeah. it could be days early. It could be right. days late. But nothing is out of whack in nope. God's kingdom. Nope. He, he knows when things are going to happen. And uh, as you were referencing that, I flipped back, and you might want to do this too, in your Bible, to the beginning of chapter 2, it came to pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, just that phrase, it came to pass, that Caesar Augustus, you mentioned him, the, the, the highest ruler in the world at that time, decreed right. everybody needed to go back to where they had been right. born, to their, their, their hometown, their lineage hometown. And so Mary and Joseph have to make that trek because that's where Joseph's mm-hmm. family is, is from. God knows mm-hmm. she's going to deliver this child and, oh, yeah. and times this thing out, mm-hmm. uses a man who, as far as we know, is probably not following uh, right. the principles of, of Scripture and living for God, as you, you would say, Caesar Augustus. Right. But yet he makes the decree yeah. that initiates oh, the yeah. timing that makes God's plan perfect. Yeah, yeah. God has a, an amazing way to orchestrate things as they need to be. And Now, you might call this uh, a little bit of providential overkill. To, to move a whole you know group of people from one place to another to, to get this right. But I believe God's making a point, and that is this. And don't don't tune out, don't don't go to the kitchen to get you a snack right now. But hear this. I believe the point that he's making is this. You think you might know what I'm doing globally, but you have no earthly idea. And here's what he says: I am putting things in place exactly as I desire, including the birth of my son. Now, in view of that, it becomes ludicrous to think, you know, that a God who wills an empire to move one woman from Nazareth to Bethlehem can't arrange for there to be an available guest room because we're going back to the, there's no room in the end. Planning a bed for a son should have been a whole lot easier than planning a global census. But we're talking about the manger here again. So don't miss this. Jesus was lying exactly in the place that God had planned in a feeding trough. Mm. And listen, Here's what I take from this. God can certainly perfectly plan our lives and our steps as well here in December 2018 and beyond if we just trust him with it all. So third thing I want to get to and and, and stick with us, we're going to move through these rapidly, is that the manger was a divine sign. Now going back to Luke chapter 2 verse 11, Mm -hmm. it says, would you read that for us again? Uh, verse 11 says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. 
you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So there's that manger That's right. again. That's right. That the angel of the Lord said something to the shepherds that was almost too good to be true. Uh, to believe this and bear witness, they would need a sign. The angels gave it, pointed them to that sign that God had given. And this will be a sign for you. How many of you remember that comedian from years ago that was made famous that line here's your sign here's your yeah, sign yeah. well that's kind of what hit me this week and getting ready for this here's your sign it's it's this baby lying exactly where we declared he would be yep. you're going to find him there in Bethlehem find him in that manger he's going to be wearing swaddling clothes but that's not necessarily the sign the sign is the manger write that down somewhere the manger is the sign I mean that's the confirmation that this is the right baby that you're looking for but after all, how many other babies are out in the stable lying in a manger? It's just Jesus. So that's a, a divine sign. And a lot of you, you know, you kind of move in that way. A lot of us do at times. We want a sign. We want to have confirmation of something in our lives that, yes, this is it. This I am certain about it because there's my sign confirming that. Listen, folks, what a miracle this was. I mean, the whole thing is an amazing miraculous mission trip but it's also an incredible miracle savior christ lord that's who the angel said had been born the savior is our deliverer from all of our enemies all of the sins that that would want to destroy us everything that would come against us the christ is the messiah and he's the fulfiller of all the promises of god uh, as the angel of the lord appeared to them the glory of the lord shone around about them and this savior this christ this lord is lying in what? In a, in a manger. Yeah. Here's your sign, folks. The divine sign of God that Jesus is the Son of the living God made flesh. So, number four is simply that the manger set off a cosmic celebration. Verse 13 says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying... So we're not talking about one no. angel. Uh, as we see many times in the Bible, it's a angel or right. one angel coming to make an announcement or sound, blow a horn or right. something. But th- there's a multitude. Oh, yeah. I don't know how many we're talking it's a, about it's a there. Choir, just of a heavenly hosts, huge. and they're all praising God. And here's what they're saying. Yeah. Glory to God in the highest. Yeah. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Yeah. So not only are they announcing the birth of Jesus, mm-hmm. but they're sort of foretelling right. what's about to happen. Right. And it, it wasn't going to happen in their lifetime. And and uh, we hope it happens in ours, but it hasn't happened yet. But they're foretelling this peace that will be on earth and the goodwill that will be toward men coming through that manger. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, I've said it so many times that there's there's so many occasions throughout God's word that that we get to read about and we get to to break down and teach and instruct and, and hear taught. And, and those occasions that I've said time and time again, I would love to have been there to see that firsthand. This is one of those. Yeah. Can you imagine being camped out on that hillside? When all of a sudden these lowly shepherds are out keeping their sheep by night and just hanging out, you know, the drudgery of the day in, day out routine, you know, this is this is life that they were experiencing out on the hillside watching boring sheep. You know, let's face it. I mean, they're not the most exciting creatures around. They kind of waddle around and graze and waddle over here and graze. And, and then all of a sudden something just lit up the night sky. And that was not just one angel, as, as Pastor Scott said. But a host, a, a gathering, a choir, many angels, right. and they begin to sing and glorify God and praise the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and make this declaration. Folks, 
life's about celebration. It is. And I, it makes me wonder, what, what is our celebration going to look like? You know, there's a time yeah. for uh, the quiet. There's a time for uh, solitude. There's a time for that, what we call peace or peaceful, peaceful moments. That's not what this moment was. This moment was a, like you said, a cosmic celebration, a multitude of heavenly hosts. So I'm asking, well, what does Christmas look like for us? What's that going to look like in our homes? Uh, it, you know, I went to a Christmas party is what it was labeled the other night that was kind of a business type setting. And it was dead. It was dull. There was nothing happening. Uh, they didn't even schedule a game for us to play. We, we were just there with wow. some, some food to eat and, yeah. and people were mingling around. It was quiet. There was really nothing going on. That's not this multitude of heavenly hosts. They, they were sent, and they set this precedent right. right out of the gate with the manger scene happening. The angels set the precedent for what Christmas is supposed to feel like and look like in our homes and in our hearts. And it's a party. It's a celebration. And it's not all quiet. It's, it's a loud, joyous, rejoicing right. celebration uh, right. is the precedent for what this is supposed to look like. Sure. And, and you know, many people, many, many, many people especially at this time of the year, buy into the, the trappings that, you know, I've got to have just the right family. I've got to have just the right, you know, Christmas decorations. I've got to have just the right gifts to buy for people. I've got to have everything as, as Hallmark would present it, you know, so to speak, to to be able to truly celebrate in the right way, to, to feel joyful, to feel that completeness, completeness excuse me, and, and that, you know, celebratory atmosphere in my life and, and whatever. Listen, we don't need any of that stuff. I mean, all that stuff's good, and I'm not condemning it whatsoever, but here's the, the lesson that if we have Jesus, if we experience Christ the Lord in our lives, if we know Him, you know, as, as Will Ferrell plays the part in Elf, you know, I know him. I know talking about Santa Claus, man, you know, Santa's one thing, but we're talking about the king. Yeah. If we know him, if we walk with him, have that personal relationship, we have everything we need to celebrate. And I'm talking about really celebrate deep down in our hearts. Just know without a doubt that we have and possess the joy of Jesus in our lives. And you know what? All the other stuff's just great. Yeah. It's just extra. I mean, it's good. And, and, and the amazing thing is, is we can get swallowed up in depression mm-hmm. very easily and, and looking at old me, poor me, what I don't have. But man, when we get turned on to who Jesus is and we have him living and reigning in our lives, then guess what? That's where the party starts. That's where the celebration breaks out. And it turns our whole life in perspective around. So God set off a cosmic celebration over 2,000 years ago, announcing the birth of his son. And he wants to do the same thing in our lives right now. Number five, this this next thing we want to share with you is simply this. The manger calls us to follow. Here's something you may not really have pieced together, but understand that the manger points us to discipleship. Mm. And here's what I want you to, to, to get a hold of right now. Write down if you have to. Jesus was not born just for a seasonal celebration. No. Verse 14, read it just a second ago. Let me read it to you again now that he said that. Glory to God in the highest. This is what the heavenly hosts were saying. And on earth, peace, goodwill to who? It's to men. To men. So there's that call to follow. There's that uh, right here in Scripture, that, that call that says he came for, for men. He came for us, for men and women, for humans to, to, co- to go and, and, and call us to come and be a part right. of this celebration uh, that's happening. Don't miss the last part of that verse. To whom, as my 
uh, translation says, to whom he is pleased. Pleased, yeah. yeah that, that's the crucial word that we want to talk about there. To whom he is pleased. That word pleased in the Greek occurs in one other place in Luke. And I want you to, to, to grab all of this. Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said in Luke chapter 10, verse 21, he said, um, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for such was your good pleasure. That's the same use of that word please or pleasure there that's found in Luke 21, uh, uh, verse 21 of chapter 10. Not the wise, not the understanding, but the children, the ones who would take no offense at a baby in a feeding trough, the ones that would expect no better bed than what their Savior was laying on. On one occasion, the Bible tells us that they were going along the road. Someone said to Jesus, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to them, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, Mm. except if you want to back it up and say a manger. A manger. But that word pleased means that we have found the pleasure of God on and in our lives, that he is pleased with who we are, that we've surrendered ourselves to him. Folks, this is a call to follow because it's not just a seasonal celebration. We don't get all excited about Jesus, you know, long around about the middle end of November, watch the Hallmark movies, go to the parties, you know, break out all the, the decorations and stuff and then pack it all up, you know, December 31st and break into the new year and leave him behind. It's follow him. It's pick up our cross daily and follow him. And speaking of cross, the last thing we want to share with you is simply this. The manger was step one on the road to Calvary. Step one. That's where Jesus came into this earth. And the purpose, the main purpose of his coming was to save us from what? From our sins. From our sins. So this this is where it all began, so to speak, here on earth's part of it. Step one. From the manger, as some people have called it, the cradle to the cross. He he lived 33 plus years as a human being, as a man. He taught, he healed, he loved, he he chastened, he rebuked, he, he encouraged, he did all those things. He built relationships. But ultimately, ultimately he came to lay his life down, to give it up for all of us, to save us from our sins, to bring fulfillment to bring purpose to bring hope Scott that that does something for all of us who really understand that and and make that our own absolutely it takes what we maybe get entrapped in as you mentioned during Christmas the the trees and the stockings and the presents and the shopping that we have to get done and it takes all of that and really brings it uh, to a heart point which is uh, how am I celebrating this the Savior this Jesus that was born in this manger uh, have I really taken a good look at the manger and what was accomplished there? Am I following him? And then when you think about that being the first step to what we talk about at Easter most of the time, the cross and resurrection and all that, but this this manger is step number one. And, and I wonder if people would take a, a moment to think about that. Uh, consider whether they've uh, put a lot of effort and thought in, into that first step right. and thinking about that manger uh, and where their, where their relationship is right now with Christ. Uh, right. it's, a, it's an amazing story, and it takes Christmas to a whole new level. Oh, yeah. 
uh, and, it, and it really brings some meaning mm-hmm. uh, to the season for sure. The greatest gift we could ever receive is the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what all this is all about. I began reading Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 6, a little while ago, and I want to finish by looking at at, at verse 8. The Bible tells us, we were talking about humility, that he humbled himself by becoming obedient, obedient to his Father, just like we're called to be as well, to the point of death, comma, even death on a cross. Unimaginable pain horrendous mode of execution. This is how the Savior saves. Man, I love that. This is how Jesus truly saves. This is how the Messiah fulfills every promise. This is how the Lord reigns from infinite deity to a feeding trough to final torments on Calvary's cross. All of this, the purpose of the manger, the purpose of Christianity, Christmas, the, the purpose of, of Jesus coming. So, Scott, if you have any final thoughts uh, uh, to share that, that we want to, to say a prayer again. More, more than just thoughts, maybe a challenge uh, to those of us who are uh, part of Connections Church or maybe you're watching for the very first time, you're not part of our church or uh, don't plan to be. It's okay. Uh, it's just a challenge to all of us uh, to look at Christmas a little differently. Uh, now, uh, this you know today, uh, don't don't wait until Christmas Eve to uh, read the Twas the Night Before Christmas and then try to decide if you want this to be different. Let make a decision today. So, the the challenge is to look at the manger, like we've been talking about for the last few minutes. Look at the manger and what it did for you. You got to make it personal, right? So many times we look at it on this broad spectrum. But we want to look at the manger on a personal level. What did it do for me? How, how did this whole thing roll out for me? And the, and the answer to that is that Jesus came in that manger, in that lowly, humble place, to change your life. And so as we kind of close up our time together today, uh, we want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. Uh, we want you to experience the, the cosmic celebration that this heavenly host uh, uh, experienced. And, and we want you to feel that. And not just as an emotion, we want you to know it and be certain uh, that your relationship with Jesus Christ is such that you can enjoy this season the way it was meant to be. That's right. There is no joy outside of Jesus. That's the bottom line. There is no joy outside of a personal relationship with Him. And that's the gift of Christmas. That, that we're offered freely. So would you join us right now as we pray? And, and if you, um, if you need, need us to pray for you specifically in any ways, you can, you can reach out, you can communicate uh, to us uh, via this, this, um, this mode of, of communication. Uh, any, anyone that works well for you, uh, we are available and, and want to, um, to continue uh, to, to help, to serve, to minister. So, so would you just join us right now as we, we finish this, this time in prayer. Lord, we, we bless you today. We honor you. We worship you. Uh, you are worthy. Um, we are so blessed by you and all that you, you do for us. You provide for us, God, that you make available. And, and we see even through the, uh, the, the teaching today uh, how you can arrange things to, 
to work out just exactly according to what you purpose them to be. And so, Lord, that this is small potatoes. What we deal with sometimes, even though it seems huge and big, God, but nothing's too difficult for you. Nothing's impossible for you, God. So we trust you with that today. For those who would say, you know, I don't, I don't really have a personal relationship with Christ. I don't, I don't know him in, the, in this way. He's not my Savior. I haven't surrendered my life to him right now, God. As you have, have touched their hearts, as the Holy Spirit has brought that conviction to their lives, God, and they, they are making this commitment, this decision to follow you, to, to enter into to discipleship, God, to pick up their cross daily and, and, and walk after you, God, live for you, live in that surrendered life of salvation that you, you alone offer. God, thank you for that. The greatest of all decisions being made for many right now. I believe many that are, that are making that step right now. And God, I pray that they would follow that step up and, and let us know that, that they've come to this place of surrender in their lives, that they, they embrace you as Savior. They, they, they give themselves to you as you have given yourself to them, Lord, so that we can walk with them in, in whatever capacity we're able to and they allow. God, we, we celebrate this season. We honor you again and we thank you for coming just for us, Lord. Now seal up this time, God, and we look forward to, to the days and weeks ahead as we continue in the Christmas study and the Christmas seasons you have for us this, this year, 2018. And God, let it be a year of miracles, a year of change, a year that we are transformed truly to be like you. We, we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, I think... Uh... As you're there watching it snow or sleet or whatever it is that it's doing right now, maybe grab another cup of coffee, yep. uh, hot cocoa, or whatever it is that you enjoy. Think about the content of what we've talked about today and um, think about how it's impacting you personally. And then I want to encourage you, uh, you can comment on Facebook, uh, on our Facebook page, uh, send us a question. We'd love to know if you received Christ today. Uh, We'd love to know if, if, if God did something in your life so we can celebrate that with you right. during this Christmas season. Uh, if you have a need in your life, something that you need prayer uh, we'd love to pray with you. We have a prayer team that's waiting uh, for your prayer request to come in. So I would encourage you to send that through. You can send us a message on Facebook Messenger. You can go to the website. Uh, yes. We've got a contact form on there that you can send us a, a contact through. Our personal information is on the website. If you need anything, um, we're here for you. But I would just encourage you to reach out, right? So many times there's uh, people who have a need in their life, they have a question that's kind of been plaguing them. They want to make a comment, but they're hesitant to do so. We're extending that invitation to you to do that. And so um, thank you for joining us yes. uh, today. We hope that you stay safe. Have some fun. Yes. If there's some snow to play in, play in it. Um, and uh, I'm not going out there. I'm going to stay in with another cup of coffee. Thank you guys so much. We love you and appreciate you. And we'll see you uh, real soon. Blessings.
you pledge yourself to me and that's why i sing your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on
Sing for joy when my heart is heavy. 